0: I say can you dig it, put your two hands up like that, can you dig it, can, can, Up, Laker fans! Uh, welcome to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen Enroll and, and SB Nation Lakers community. You can find us over at silverscreenandroll.com dot or on social at Lakers SBN, uh, where Grant and I often tweet. Uh, Grant, how are you doing today, bud? And did you enjoy
1: my Laker film room
0: micro impression?
1: Well, like between you and Harrison both doing it, I feel like either Anthony's up next or. Like I'm not even gonna be like noticing it, but I'll do it next. I don't even know, but uh, no, I'm doing it's... good. No, I, I'm I'm thankful, and I'm sure we're gonna be thank- uh, talking about this later. But I'm thankful to be very wrong about the Lakers stretch of games uh, that we predicted. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing good, and the Lakers are doing good. So that's a that's a recipe for a good uh, podcast and a good basketball team.
0: I think if. We went too optimistic, too optimistic with our predictions. At the end of these shows, we'd we'd sound like homers. Which uh, I, you know, you can argue that we are. Maybe you can make a compelling
1: argument. Um, I think because like, even because of the fact that we're recording this, I think it means <laughs> that we're homers. Like we we are so like not aware that even just recording a Lakers podcast that probably just throws us in the bin of homers absolutely but uh i
0: have no complaints and we haven't been, we haven't been that bad i mean if anything we've been selling the lakers short in the past few weeks uh and i think we might have had the lakers losing this game uh just because they've they've struggled so much against the spurs as of late but they didn't on Wednesday, uh, Lakers won 121 to 113 against the Spurs behind a dominant performance by none other than the King himself, LeBron James. 42 points on 62.5% shooting from the field, 42.9% shooting from behind the arc to go along with five rebounds, six assists. And two steals. Grant inject all of this into my veins. This is what we signed up for. This is what we wanted to see. Fourth quarter dominations by LeBron James and one dunks. Him, you know, chirping at the crowd after, you know, draining that super deep three. I loved it.
1: I want to hear your thoughts on it because I'm sure they are similar to mine. Well, he wasn't even the the team leader in box plus minus. So we really should be talking about Tyson Chandler, who was a plus 27 in 28 minutes, only making two free throws, having nine defensive rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Uh, that good old 291 and one one stat line. Um, now, I, I can't say enough about Tyson Chandler. He's been the big free agent addition that the Lakers have been waiting for uh throughout these past few seasons really has just been able to propel the lakers to new heights uh propel different players on the lakers you know like everybody says tyson chandler makes everybody just better that's around him uh just the the ultimate team guy um i i don't know what's left to say about him but that lebron james (laughs) guy is pretty good too uh was the second leader in box plus minus with plus 19 no but uh the the way the game was looking through three quarters was this is gonna get ugly if guys don't start to step up and by by guys stepping up i mean lebron going supernova and he did that to a tune of 24th quarter points uh like you said a deep three where he was chirping about it I, i think he had a couple deep threes Um, Josh Hart coming up big in the fourth, Kyle Kuzma kind of of breathing new life into the team in the late third quarter that I think allowed them to carry a little bit of momentum into the fourth just so things weren't dead. Uh, So I think the credit goes to a lot of people, but if we're going to give it to one besides Tyson Chandler, uh, then it's, it's definitely LeBron. I mean, this is what you bring him in for. This is what you expect when you bring him in. And uh, I've been completely and and totally satisfied with the LeBron James experience on my favorite basketball team.
0: I think the—I know you were half kidding about what you were saying about Tyson Chandler, but Tyson Chandler shot—made both of his free throws tonight, which is more than any Laker can say on any night. So by doing that alone— He's in contention for the, the Lakers' most valuable player in my book because, God, the late. It's you know I don't want to sound sour and say like, oh, the Lakers didn't make the free throw. So was it really a victory? Because anything in the win column is good. It's L- yeah, good, it's literally a victory. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, but man, their free throws have been consistently frustrating. And, uh, you know, luckily Kyle Kuzma, I, I was, I almost jumped out of my seat when he drained back to back free throws in the clutch, uh, gave the Lakers a comfortable lead. Uh, but even he shot, you know, just a hair over 70%. LeBron shot under 70% on uh, 13 attempts. Uh, it's, it's been so frustrating to watch this season. And it really, you know, it really takes the air out of the runs they go on. When they when they make it to the line and they don't make it, but you know maybe that's just me being um, you know a little picky on on how I like my wins, but it certainly was um, and has been a a problem for them this season.
1: Well, and it, and it's been a problem for them in the last few years uh, when they were tanking and we needed that draft pick. Uh, it it was obviously a good thing, but uh, it carried over into last year as well. Um and the Lakers lost a lot of close games last year and if they had just made a decent amount of their free throws those would have been wins and you no know, I think the question of LeBron coming would have been already answered maybe a little sooner but the Lakers have LeBron now they and funny enough that's probably LeBron's biggest issue throughout the season. It's his free throw shooting. Uh, they'd have a, a win against the Spurs already if he had made some free throws. But you know, oh yeah, I, I, I you know what? I completely forgot about that. But you know, I, it, I, it, I don't. I just, I, did, I just don't know at what point in the season or at what point in time this changes because it's been such a long standing issue, and it's affected everyone not named Contavious Caldwell Pope and basically Tyson Chandler this one night. But uh <laughs> you no, know, even for LeBron it's kind of concerning cuz you know, you look at his game there's no real flaw. You know, everything that was a question mark is a strength now at most namely his three-point shooting. But you know, I'm thinking to myself, you no, know, if you're LeBron James, you're thinking, "No, I got to figure this free throw shit out." Like <laughs> and I know I know he's working on it and I know that if DeAndre Jordan can do it LeBron James can do it. So you know it's it's not going to be like a, a a huge issue that's just sitting in the back of my mind all day but it is a little concerning like when we're watching the game and it is you know uh like a four point game in either way And the Lakers need those free throws. They need the crucial free throws, and they're just not there. So, you know, until they start to, you know, mess with, you know, firm playoff seeding, then, no, I'm not going to worry about it. But when it does, and, you know, I think it will, you know, that's when real change has to happen.
0: Yeah, I'm not ready to to close the book on – the Lakers' free thrower three. I not I'm not ready to close the book on the Lakers' free throw woes just yet because if Kyle Kuzma can have a mid season resurgence on the defensive end after being like a historically bad defender, uh, I think the, I think there's at least a, uh, a sliver of hope that the Lakers will be uh, you know a better free throw shooting team. Kuzma it, it, tonight again showed that whatever he's doing is working and it's there was a switch that was flipped um three or four days ago that he he just woke up and decided I don't want to be bad on defense anymore and he's been pretty darn good and he showed it again tonight I mean there there were possessions he was picking up DeMar DeRozan and doing it with success I mean if you would have said that earlier this season that somebody would have told you you were absolutely insane, but, um, it's been a a stretch of games now that he's looked like he's turned the corner on the defensive end, which is good because it, you know, we heard all summer that he was watching a ton of film, uh, on the defensive end, wanted to become a better defender. Um, what, what, what have you seen be the difference for Kuzma um as of late
1: uh, i think it's the the kind of player that he's defending and you know i think that's really been the whole conversation that everyone's been having that he was kind of miscast in the in guarding fours and and some fives to really no success uh we we spoke about it in when you said historically bad numbers but now he, we have him out on the perimeter now and you know, he's really successful in doing that because he's bigger than a lot of these guys but he's really got the foot speed to guard them too and and he has the effort now and I think no, half the battle on defense is just being willing to play defense and I think he's always been willing to it's just whether he's been in the right role And, and he's moving his feet really well he's using the length advantage that he has on those on these smaller players to you know to his benefit and and I think that we have to give him a lot of credit for changing things around. And, and Luke Walton, a lot of credit for, you know, having them having him on the perimeter now, guarding these smaller smaller guys, because, you know, that was a big issue with Luke. You know, trying him at the small ball five and, and having him guard four. So, you know, as much credit as we're giving to Kyle Kuzma for this, I think we also got to give Luke Walton credit for it.
0: Absolutely. And we've talked about it on the show before, but... The most impressive thing about Luke Walton's tenure as head coach is him getting players, uh, especially young players, to buy in on the defensive end. I mean, Kuzma didn't exactly have a reputation for being, uh, you know, a great defender coming out of college, and he certainly didn't have a reputation for being a great defender going into this season. Um, and yet, you know, if uh, we're – you know, it, a few games into the season, um, at, uh, over a quarter into the season, the Lakers have a top ten defense in the NBA. I mean, oh, um, yeah, that's that's crazy.
1: Yeah, and, and um, it's it's insane because they were so bad at it in in like the first you know ten or or so games that they had. And um, and and one minor note before you know we move on from this defense and and Kyle Kuzma discussion. Nick Young and Jordan Clarkson, they both made us believe in the lie at some points <laughs> in their Laker career on defense, and so I'm not saying that, that this true. Kyle Kuzma uh, resurgence or just uh, awakening on defense is a sham. But you no, know, we also got to keep that in the back of our head that you know players can have it click for them on defense, at least for a part of the season, and then totally regress and go back to the old ways. But you know, I think uh, I think we got to give. I got, got to give Kuz a lot of credit.
0: Absolutely. Um, and the, you know, even aside from the, the effort he's showing on the defensive end, he's had a few plays these past games on offense. Cause, um, and I say on offense because it's not just scoring. He's flashed as of late. Cause he's, he's broken out of a shooting slump. I mean, he's looking more like the Kyle Kuzma of last season. Um, but he's also making reads on offense uh, with his playmaking that we didn't see at all last season, and it's it's raised his ceiling considerably, not only as a basketball player but as a starter on the Lakers. And I'm I, you know, I think Pete um, or Laker Film Room, however you choose to um, <laughs> to to call him, um, Coach Pete is also just fine. Um, but he said that Kyle Kuzma is becoming a grown man in front of our eyes. And I completely agree. I think he's really coming into his own. And I, I, I think a lot of Lakers fans were ready to throw in the towel on Kuz, um, less than a hundred games into his NBA career. And I think it just goes to show that development isn't always linear. It's not always going to be, um, Players becoming superstars or you know uh, solid glue guys in their second uh, you know in the second years in the league, I think you know whether it's Kuzma, Ingram or Lonzo, we really have to wait it out with these guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think even tonight or the the game most recently against the Spurs uh, was a big step in his development because you know he really had to wait to the second half to turn things on. And so, you know, when things aren't working in the first half, you know, it's tough to get your head out of that out of that uh, out of that space and, you know, kind of flip a switch. And I think, you know, at halftime or you know, at some point in the third quarter, you no, know, he kinda of shrugged it off and and gave the Lakers offense and, and defense the spark that it needed to stay in the game and uh, eventually overtake the Spurs. But you know, I think, you know, when you break things down and, and look at certain aspects of each of the young guys uh, on offense in this case, um, I think besides Lonzo's passing, when Kuz is scoring well, it's the most aesthetically pleasing aspect of the Lakers' young guys. Uh, just his footwork, how polished he is in the post, his shooting. You know, when that's on... No, that's, that's the reason why a lot of casual fans and a lot of fans that rely on the eye test love Kuzma. A lot of that goes to you know, just how pretty it looks when it's all working. And, you know, I, you know, I think everybody can appreciate when it's working, but, you know, I, I think when, uh, when just everything's off in the first half and he makes that adjustment in the second half, that's the thing that I like to see, the mental, you know, change of mind or... Uh, Change of state of mind, and, and I think that's a big part of it. You know, for for him to shrug off a bad first half where not everything's clicking, and then turn it on, be a big boost for the Lakers, and that's that's bigger to me than you know fancy footwork in the post and and just shooting it from the behind the arc nine times a game. So you know, I think that it's it's a welcome thing for Kuz to be growing up and and kind of having a kobe game this was a little bit of a kobe game for coos yeah i agree yeah
0: all right we have a very special guest with us today on can you dig it uh she's actually our first guest which i'm pretty excited about uh with sabrina merchant staff writer at silver screen and Roll. Deputy Managing Editor at Clips Nation. Sabrina, how are you doing today, my friend?
2: I'm doing pretty well. I'm very excited to be your first guest.
0: Uh, We are also excited that you are our first guest. Uh, Sabrina does weekly columns for us at Silver Screen and Roll, and they're very good. If you haven't read any, what are you doing? Go to our site, read some right now, and uh, we're going to start off talking about Brandon Ingram because... Obviously, the Lakers won, which is good because it's always good when the Lakers win. It was probably a little closer than than many fans would have liked because uh, I, I did the preview this morning and I found out that the, that the Spurs are have like the second worst defense in the NBA right now, uh, which, you know, isn't very Spursy of them. It's weird. It's a weird time we're living in. Uh, but Luke Walton said with Brandon Ingram out, they're going to probably lean on Lonzo ball and LeBron James a little more. Um, What do you think about that? And how, how do you think the team uh, beyond that is going to, is going to look without Ingram on the floor?
2: Honestly, once Rondo went out with his injury, I thought that Luke should have been doing that anyway, having Lonzo or LeBron on the court at all times, because Brandon was having a little bit of difficulty leading that second unit. So maybe it's uh, one of those blessings in disguise again that we get another opportunity for Luke to be forced to play Alonzo a little bit more. (laughs) Uh, But I'm interested to see what happens with those extra wing minutes because Lance has been losing his minutes recently and he didn't particularly look very good today. Um, Beasley's kind of hit or miss and as much as we all love speed it's unclear how much you can produce at this moment so yeah,
0: I, it, it's yeah. it's a hard time the, the water and supplies is running low on Sh- on Sh- island right now <laughs> uh I, I know grant you're a big fan of speed Sh- too but
1: it's uh it's not it's not look, looking great for our guy lately no um and i was i was kind of rooting for him hard tonight uh, he was definitely putting a lot of effort out there on the floor. He was missing his open shots, which is obviously concerning because that's the primary reason that the Lakers drafted him. But you now you see him, and and he did this in the summer league. He did this in preseason. Uh, he doesn't try to limit his production to just his shooting. Uh, I saw him, you know, putting a lot of effort in on the boards defensively, and so you know it's not for lack of effort. And you know, hopefully the the shooting comes around because you know he is a pretty nice player and i think that you know his effort definitely shows to the eye uh, i don't know if the numbers back it up but just watching him out there he's a player that really tries hard but that can only really get you so far so you know hopefully uh, that that shooting does come and and we'll have this you know terminator like player that just <laughs> doesn't miss and is indestructible basically yeah, because
0: I don't know if any of you guys watched him uh, for South Bay the other day, or, or at least the highlights. He he looked like the Human Torch, like he did at at Summer League. I mean, he was he was insane. He made a you know he was a he was a less uh, salty Clay Thompson. Um, <laughs> you know, I I I'm I'm really high on him. My whole internet personality on Twitter is built around him, so I'm really 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 banking on him to work out. This is um, big for your brand. <laughs>
2: Maybe he's more comfortable at those El Segundo rims right now.
0: I think so, but I, I think it – it because my my thing is, and I might be a little biased here, but there must be something wrong with the rims at Staples Center <laughs> because there's no way that he shoots good uh, – you know, shoots well at every other rim but the rims at Staples Center, so uh, yeah, – I'm I, I, messing with him. <laughs> I, I, I know it's worked – all right for everybody else, but it, we really got to start catering to our franchise cornerstone. Um, I agree with you, Sabrina, that, that it, it's going to be even with Lonzo and LeBron on the floor at all times, uh, as, as Luke is, is planning at least one of them on the floor at all times. I think it's going to be really hard for that second unit to find scoring. If, um, you know, if Ingram's out, because that moves hard to the starting lineup, we're assuming Luke and, Totally throw a curveball and throw KCP in there, or, uh, you know, worst case scenario, throw Lance in there. Uh, but regardless, it's it's going to be really weird to see what he does, uh, with that second unit. If you had a bet on one of Lance or KCP stepping up to the plate, who would you put your money on?
2: Oh, KCP in a heartbeat.
0: <laughs> well, when, and that's because of his. Uh because he showed that he because he's
2: was, not lance.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's a good reason. Um the the, the the main thing with KCP is he he can shoot the ball in theory. He shot the ball pretty pretty damn well last year. I don't know what, what's wrong with him this year. Um he showed signs of life like as soon as last week. Uh, but he's been crazy and consistent, um, even with Tyson Chandler setting those hard screens, which I thought was a really big uh, step in his development this season, uh, is having a big like that to set screens for him and get him open for those shots. Um, Grant, what about you? What What are you uh, what are you predicting if, if between Lance and KCP? If you had your money on somebody stepping up, uh, who would it be?
1: This is like the scenario in The Dark Knight where the Joker just lights all that money on fire. But no, that's, well, I
0: mean, that's the, really the harsh. Lakers kinda, they kind of did light all that money on fire when they signed Lance Stevenson for as much as they did um, and didn't bring back Julius Randall, who I think for the past three episodes we brought him up. But it bears repeating how... Fantastic he's been he, in New Orleans. He keeps um, doing
1: things to make yeah. us
0: bring him up again. Yeah. And it's so sad for us. But uh and it's disrespectful. How dare Julius Randle play as well as he has been not in a Lakers uniform?
1: It's it's completely and utterly disrespectful. No, but uh <laughs> all jokes aside, and, and it was harsh of me to say that at first because KCB has, you know, turned a corner this season. Uh, whatever it was to begin the year it seems like it has passed but yeah the consistency is an issue but overall the factors that you know he can shoot the ball he tries hard on defense he isn't Lance Stevenson uh, I think he's got all that going for him and um, no I just I mean I'm watching the replay of tonight's game or or the game against the Spurs uh, while we're recording this podcast and, and, and the part where he saves the ball, or Tyson Chandler saves the ball, sets him a screen, and he has his second three-point uh, attempt on the same possession, and he just caches it. Like, I feel like that's kind of been a microcosm for his season. Like, you know, at first it doesn't really work out for him, but Tyson Chandler comes along, and then it all starts to fall in place. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we're seeing more of the same and uh, can rely on him to be – a little more consistent throughout the year because they do need a little bit of a scoring punch off the bench with Kyle Kuzma in the starting lineup. If at first
0: you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. I think oh, – yeah. um, Chandler. Or yeah, yeah. yeah
1: signed Tyson Chandler.
2: <laughs> but like um, said, I also really agree that KCP's activity level is a lot better than it was at the start of the season. Like Even when he brings on defense and just being active in the passing lanes – that's something that wasn't there, you know, as early as October. And it's like he said, he's definitely turned a corner.
0: I think the, and Grant and I talked about this um, earlier in the season, which sounds weird because we're only on like our seventh episode, but um, we, we said that the the easiest or the, the most clear option uh, or tweak to the lineup that should be made in the backcourt is if Alonzo ball is starting in the backcourt, Josh Hart should also be starting in the backcourt. And, you know, they they kind of found a happy compromise with Brandon Ingram, I guess. Uh, but I'm interested to see uh, if, if this works out. Because Josh Hart, like we said, we're assuming is going to fill that starting two-guard role. Uh, and if Hart looks really good, as the numbers have suggested uh, so far this season, when he's on the floor with LeBron James, uh, what... You know, that forces Luke Walton to do because as good as Brandon Ingram has been, um, you know, this season, he's also been uh, very frustrating to watch at times this season with his shot selection. uh, I think we have a story up on Silver Screen and Roll right now, actually, on uh, on how just how gross his shot selection has been this season. Um, How do you how do you guys feel that Josh Hart is going to mesh with the starting lineup, um, assuming he starts?
2: I think Josh Hart is the natural choice to start. I can't imagine how KCP would work his way into that conversation, but even with this current iteration of the starting lineup, so Tyson's usually the first sub for Javale about six minutes in, and then Josh Hart mm-hmm. is the first sub for Brandon Ingram. So he's he's gotten some time with that configuration with LeBron and Lonzo and Kuzma, and I mean his ratings are just off the charts. Like that plus minus he had in the Suns game was just absurd. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't imagine why he wouldn't be a really great fit next to the three of them because he provides the shooting. He attacks the basket. He just makes quick decisions, which is what you need around LeBron James. So, I mean, I think he's going to be a really good fit. The problem is, like, he was a really good fit back when Ingram was suspended and still lost his spot when Ingram returned. So it's going to be an interesting set of decisions that Luke Walton has to make.
0: Yeah, and I I think the, the, the easiest... If players did not have feelings and they were just basketball robots like Hawaii Leonard, I, the the easiest um, decision to make with the lineup uh, would probably be to move Brandon Ingram to the bench, because um, you know you can argue that he has the highest ceiling out of the young core, um, but from a roster standpoint, just from a lineup construction standpoint, Brandon Ingram probably fits better with the second unit. Uh, than Josh Hart or Kyle Kuzma does. And I think that speaks more to the to the depth the Lakers don't have on the wing position, as we're gonna see with with Brandon Ingrams sideline. and and um there, you know, there is no word on whether or not he's gonna be missing games., uh, but I mean, just looking at looking at the replay the way he rolls his ankle, um I'm guessing he'll at least miss Friday. Um, his the the second unit, because for some reason Luke loves playing a whole second unit. He just needs a fresh new five guys on the floor, of Rondo, KCP, Ingram. We'll throw Bees in there because we we love us some Bees. And Tyson Chandler, is is probably the the best second unit the Lakers can throw out there. The only thing is, Ingram's kind of. Uh, not so subtly said I'm not coming off the bench. He mellowed Luke Walton uh, (laughs) once he came back from suspension saying, I I don't know who's coming off the bench, but it's not going to be me. Um, So I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how Hart does. And if he, and if he plays well, like I think he will, I think it's going to be really hard for Luke Walton to justify sending him back to the bench.
2: Yeah. And I also think that, um, you know, Brandon's played really good defense. In that lineup, in the starting lineup, uh, it's kind of been overshadowed by, like you said, his gross shot selection. Mm-hmm. But if Kuzma's defensive improvement over these last few games continues, then that kind of negates the main reason you'd want Ingram in the starting lineup, especially because Hart does such a nice job against post players.
0: Yeah, and Hart became a three-point sniper like out of nowhere. I I realized why the Lakers didn't sign JJ Reddick. Like they were. Reportedly going to or trade for Kyle Korver like they had, uh, you know, had rumored interest in because Josh Hart is a deep range dead eye. He has the deep deep range dead eye badge on 2k. I mean today he hit a few really big three-point shots and I think that's uh, a development, you know, Lakers fans were hoping to see in his, his rookie season, which he shot pretty well in his rookie season, but he's doing it on a lot more attempts this season and you know, much has been made about the lack of shooters around LeBron, and if Josh Hart can, you know, show that like he has this season that he's not afraid to take that shot, uh, I think LeBron's gonna love him, don't you, Grant?
1: Yeah, uh, I loved his. It's kind of like the anti brandon Ingram shot selection tonight. He took five <laughs> shots and they were all threes, but uh, <laughs> he he made two of them. But you know, they were really high leverage shots. Like you were saying, he's not afraid to take those kind of shots he was saying on spectrum tonight that you know he wants to be in those moments and and hopefully those moments you know still come along for him so you know i'm i'm really excited about josh hart for multiple reasons but you know this this shooting like you said it just kind of came out of nowhere it's obviously you know really a great addition but uh, when you pair that with the way that he You know, moves the ball in offense. The ball doesn't stick to his hands. Uh, He drives as well as anybody on the Lakers, not named LeBron James, and uh, he finishes at the rim almost like LeBron, minus the dunks and and uber explosive athleticism. Uh, But you know, he's a really fascinating player because you know, obviously he slipped because of his age, but. I, I don't want to give a whole bunch of credit to the kind of old school way of thinking because basketball's completely shifted from it but mm-hmm. there is a lot of value in drafting a player that's a champion, drafting a player that has some experience under his belt because you know when those big moments come, they're a little more prepared for it than you know say a little bit of younger players. Uh, there's not a whole lot of stock to put into that but I think there is some truth to that and I think we're seeing that uh, in Josh Hart. We mentioned earlier in the show
0: when uh, we we introduced Sabrina that she was uh, uh, the deputy managing editor at Clips Nation um, and I am I'm I'm so confused w- about the the clippers, More so than I am ever, because I'm always confused about the Clippers as a team, what they're still doing in L.A. But right now they are, uh, at least on paper, the best team in Los Angeles. They sit at the number three seed in the Western Conference with a 16 and eight record. The Lakers are only a game back after winning, um, uh, you know, on tonight. So who knows how much longer that will keep up. But to the casual fan and I know this because I have a few casual NBA fan friends to, to ask them to name three players on the Clippers roster on, at uh, off the top of their head, they could not. And yet they've looked so good this season. And I'm hoping you can describe to me why that is Sabrina, because I can't wrap my head around it.
2: So the Clippers kind of occupy the, other spectrum of this you know superstar super team age in the nba they have this you know thought experiment what if we just had all 13 players who are actually good even if none of them are incredibly good
1: Mm -hmm.
2: so like you said how luke walton likes to play these five-man bench lineups the clippers can do that and their quality play doesn't really go down which is not something that a lot of teams in the nba can manage And I mean, I've I've tried the same experiment you have, where I ask people who claim to be Clippers fans to name three players on the
1: Clippers.
2: (laughs) They can't even do that. So it's it's quite remarkable that they've managed this string of success without anyone who's ever made an All-Star team. And although that's you know probably going to change this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm as confused as you are. Truthfully, like every game, I I think, well, you know, it just goes down to the wire every game, and Lou Williams does a little free throw magic at the end. <laughs> Here we are. 16
0: I think the the craziest thing to me watching Lou Williams on the Clippers, uh, even last season was, I remember when he was in the Lakers, everyone hated him um, because he was winning games for them. And because he's, you know, kind of a chucker, but, but if they're going in, you know, it's hard to complain. And I think, you know, the fact that he was getting some all star traction last season, um, and he's probably a sixth man of the year candidate this year. Um, it it's it's been all a whole whirlwind. And the thing that's impressed me the most with Doc Rivers, uh, is how he's responded to losing that big three of Chris Paul, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan in a matter of, of two seasons. And I think having that um "Quote unquote super team," which, as you know, as as much as we hate on the Clippers, on on this side of L.A., which is most of L.A. If we're being honest, um, I, the 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 core of Chris Paul, you can throw JJ Redick in there, uh, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan. were they were a really exciting team at one point, they just could never pull it together uh, when it mattered. What do you think is the difference? Between that team and a team like this, um, obviously, aside from talent and personalities.
2: So I think that personality is really what hits on it because, yeah, the Clippers were exciting to watch. They were also a pain in the butt to watch. Those Lob City teams—they, they they jotted at the refs. They jotted at each other. They were just unlikable to most of the NBA. And now you have a team where they just—they really get along they're super chill they don't particularly care that the rest of the NBA isn't focused on them and that that attitude just like the calmness that is in their locker room I think just makes it a much easier work environment frankly and I mean they're I'm obviously any coach would love to have a player of the caliber of Chris Paul or Blake Griffin as he was back in 2013-2014 but Mm -hmm. I mean, Doc Rivers not only lost that group, that super team, he also lost like his title as President of Basketball Operations. And to respond from that, I think is even more impressive that he's just renewed his focus on being a head coach and done a damn good job with that team.
0: And he lost his son. <laughs> Let, let's us not forget that the Austin Rivers is now in basketball purgatory in Washington. Uh, God bless his soul I you, hope you, he's recovering
1: alright You said lost his son like he died But being a Washington <laughs> wizard Is probably worse Yeah, it's like uh, this is the bad place the, the, the Clippers are the good
0: place And the, the Wizards are the bad place right now uh, My heart goes out to Austin Rivers um,
1: uh, Grant, do you have any Do you have any questions for Sabrina Before we let her go um, No, you, you mentioned uh, That they the Clippers could be potentially having an All Star now. You know, the mind obviously goes to Lou Williams in that situation, but you now I want to talk a little bit about Tobias Harris and uh, Montres Harrell because I'd say those those two guys have really been the driving force behind the Clippers. If you're gonna look at you know two people besides the whole you know 13 guys that can get on the floor and play, like those are the two guys that I really think deserve a lot of the credit. Uh, Doc Rivers, too, for the Clippers being as consistent as they've been in this early part of the season.
2: Absolutely. Um, Tobias Harris, I don't know if the stat still holds, but through the month of November, he was the most efficient shooting wing in the NBA, which is kind of mind-blowing when you think about the kind of talent that exists at that position. And, I mean, he's always been like a very fluid player, but his jump shot has been a work in progress throughout his career. And to see that really come to fruition this season has been a big part of the Clippers' success, particularly on offense. And Montrez, that dude is just, man, we used to talk as Laker fans about how annoying it must be to play against Julius Randle because he'd just hit you in the chest, and Montrez just goes after you all the damn time. <laughs> <laughs> and he really relishes, you know, the crowd. He really gets into it. And he's always been, you know, good energy guy. Able to finish, you know, a lot of pick and roll, but his ability to defend and rebound a little bit better than he has in years past, I think, has really made this season his best. And I think he's been better than Lou Williams. I think he's a more legitimate six-man of the candidate than Lou Williams. And Tobias is definitely the guy you would look for for an All-Star nod.
1: Yeah, uh, those two guys have been incredible. They ca- they came from you know two different trades, and so I, I know that's you know a big reason to me too that the late, not the lakers the clippers have been able to rebound I, I know right <laughs> let me let me pause for a second no but I think you no know, that's a really big reason why the clippers have been able to sustain this you know gr- this great play uh coming off of losing Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre because they've gotten these um probably I I'll call them underrated players at the time but they really stepped up and and been really huge for the Clippers this season and I think that you know even as Lakers fans and even you know not liking the Clippers know you have to give them credit where credit is due and uh definitely I think that Tobias Harris if if anybody on the Clippers is going to get that all-star nod I think it's him too
2: yep already Western Conference Player of the Month right so he's got a good start
1: Oh yeah, that's uh, good for him.
0: I I've always liked him. I liked him when he was in Detroit. You know what you know what I was thinking about the other day? The fact that Orlando at one point in their lowly the NBA lives had Alfred Payton, Victor Oladipo, Tobias Harris, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic on the same team.
2: And they traded Tobias Harris for the chance to sign Jeff Green during the offseason.
0: God bless the Magic. Um, Sabrina, before we let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot here, uh, and ask you the question every Lakers and Clippers fan is thinking when this season is all said and done, when the 82 game season, the, when the grueling 82 season schedule is over, who will have the better record in the Western conference, the Lakers or the Clippers?
2: I think the Lakers will have a better record.
0: Yeah, cause... mostly
2: because the Lakers, um, they they don't have any time to waste. You know, LeBron is here, and even though they're theoretically waiting for 2019 for agency, they're not going to do anything to make their team worse. You know, at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. I can see the Clippers making a move to acquire some future flexibility or get some future assets in a way that the Lakers wouldn't.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a. I certainly don't mind that prediction. i and I think it speaks not to, you know, I don't think the clippers' digression. I don't think I think the level of play they have is sustainable because, like you mentioned earlier, they have a ton of just really good NBA players, and that's the reason they're winning uh, the games they are. I just think the Western Conference is so ridiculous right now the 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 race for the playoffs, the the eight teams that are in, the, the you know, quote unquote playoff bracket at, at this point of the season, I don't I don't feel comfortable locking any of them in uh, for the postseason except for maybe, uh, you know, Golden State, the Lakers, uh, which might be showing a little homerism, but I'm okay with that. Um, the Thunder and I, I guess the Nuggets, it's, oh, man, it's going to come down to the wire.
2: Playoff race, which is absurd.
0: Yeah. Ugh, man. I, I, and I mean, we're crossing our fingers, but it's looking it's looking good for the Lakers that they'll be there. Um, what one more question for you because you brought it up? If you had a bank on one free agent signing with the Clippers next season, uh, who do you think it would be? I mean, because I I struggle to see when the Lakers have a max contract slot open, um, and yeah, players. Oh, you, you know, for all that's been made about players not wanting to play with LeBron, playing with LeBron in L.A. isn't a bad place to be. Uh, but the Clippers also have, the you know, if if I'm not mistaken, cap flexibility or, yeah. or can get very easily uh, cap flexibility for two superstar free agents next season. So um, if you had to give it your best bet, who would be uh, of of all the free agents next summer, who, who would be suiting up in a Clippers uniform by next season?
2: Well, I don't really see Kawhi Leonard leaving Toronto. Yeah. Just because and, they seem to have the run of the Eastern Conference as is. So I guess Kevin Durant, but
0: Yeah, just just
2: because of elimination.
0: Yeah, because he's probably the most likely to leave Golden State in general, leave his respective team, which worries me a little bit because the Lakers have cap space. Like you said, I I don't think Hawaii leaves Toronto. And if he leaves Toronto, I don't think it's going to be for the Lakers. I think Kevin Durant is probably the most likely to sign with the Lakers. But the comments he made today about, um, you know, the media circus around LeBron James and how that's toxic, that wasn't super encouraging for the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, Um, you know,
2: being the second most liked player on his team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think. You know, beyond those two, uh, we're assuming Jimmy Butler is going to resign in Philly because he, he's looking at like, he's looking like he likes it there. I don't know. I think the, the air's kind of been taken out of that whole second superstar um, you know, plan that the, that the front office orchestrated going into this season. Uh, and if that's the case um, I'm interested to see if they just pull uh, the trigger on a trade, if, if it's true that players won't voluntarily play with LeBron James, which I find kind of hard to believe, but uh, Sabrina, thank you so much for being our first guest. Um, and uh, is is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything you want to say? Send off. Doesn't need to be at all related to the Lakers. You can say whatever you want as long as it's uh, you know not indecent or um, you know uh, profanity laced. Um, any parting words, Sabrina?
2: I mean, I, I write a lot, so just follow me on twitter sabrina jm.
0: <laughs> sabrina jm. All right. thank you, Sabrina. Uh, we'll I'll see you around our group slack. Um, and uh, thanks for joining us.
2: yeah, thanks for having me on guys.
0: Well, Grant, we have uh, we're going to close the show like we usually do with our predictions. And as we said, you know, yeah. earlier in the show, we might have been a little harsh on the Lakers, but I think that's good. I think it's good to temper expectations. And we haven't been that far off uh, with the with the exception of this past week. Uh, so I'm going to throw them at you, starting with tomorrow, or sorry, Friday in San Antonio. Um, the Spurs are bad I I was trying to find a nice way to say that and it feels good in my heart it feels I feel very warm in my heart being able to say that the Spurs are a bad basketball team Um, but they've they've had the Lakers on their toes basically in every game this season uh, including their most recent game up until those final uh, few minutes what are you expecting um, in San Antonio on Friday
1: I am expecting Rudy Gay to not have a game like he had uh, most recently against the Lakers. Um, um, I think would he looked
0: he looked so good. He
1: looked like it's <laughs> Rudy Gay before the last few injuries. Shoot, I think even before Rudy Gay before the last few injuries,
0: that was he was he was so good. He, I every time. A shot went up I thought it was going in and it basically did I mean he shot 57.1 percent from the field it's uh, yeah I think that's if I know uh Stu Lance has his key to the game keys to the game um number one should be not making Rudy Gay look like a smaller Kevin Durant that's probably number one
1: yeah definitely but uh, I think I think the Lakers should put Lonzo on DeRozan, at least at the beginning of the game, to see you know what that matchup can bring. Uh, but I thought Kuz did a fine job with him. I thought Josh Hart, when he switched on to him, did a nice job, especially with mm-hmm. four fouls in that fourth quarter. Uh, but I do think the Lakers win that game in San Antonio. However, their next game, uh, which is that next Saturday against the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis, that's going to be a tough one for the Lakers in my mind. It's a tough place to play. The Grizzlies are playing super well. And so uh I think they go one and one in their next two games. I, yeah, what that a lot of players or a lot of a lot of people I respect
0: in the NBA community had written the Grizzlies off before the season even started. And to an extent I guess I did too. Uh but I think with Mike Conley and former Laker Mark Casal <laughs> Um, on the team as long as those two guys are on the court the the Grizzlies always have a chance and they've shown that this season I mean they they again have looked very good and they're one of the teams um, I feel comfortable saying that they'll sneak into the playoffs I mean they Jaron Jackson Jr. by the way
1: wow the Lakers I think when the Lakers have nobody that can guard Jaron Jackson Jr.
0: Oh, absolutely not! And we're gonna look back at this draft class, at you know DeAndre and Marvin Bagley, uh, and with no disrespect, both good I players. Think, yeah, yeah. I don't think they will touch Jaron Jackson Jr.'s ceiling. He, the kid, that kid looks phenomenal, and it makes me a little sad that the Lakers' uh, final tanking year wasn't last year. Because man. Would it have nice to add him to our, our stash of exciting young players? So, I agree. I think of those two games, um, the that win or that, that game in Memphis is going to be the hardest to scrape out. Um, the final game before we meet again is going to be Monday in Miami, back at Staples Center, and the Lakers have the Lakers have seen Miami once already this season, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Hold on. Yeah, no, right. Yeah, only once
1: in in South yeah. Beach.
0: What and and they won one thirteen to ninety seven. Um, the and but they didn't have Drogic that game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, no, they didn't have uh, no. Drogic. No, they didn't. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that game plays out. But I mean, the Heat haven't been playing the best basketball as of late either. So, uh, Grant. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they go three and zero until we until we see or until we do our next show. I, I, that's probably a little too optimistic, but I can see it happening.
1: No, I can totally I, see I them like going. I like the way you're thinking. Um, I, I do think they go two and one. I think that's always a safe bet for me. But <laughs> two and one, I think they get win against the Spurs. They you know have a tough time in Memphis. But uh, I think they coast against the, against the Heat. Like, I think they have an easy time. Um, I think, you know, Drogic, uh, Drogic, as good of a player as he is, I think he deserved to be in the All-Star game last year, uh, even with all the injuries that got him into the game. Um, I think Lonzo would do a really good job on him, and I think that the Lakers are going to find themselves up big. Uh, there may be a point or two in the game where, The the Heat make kind of a mini run, get it within like 7 or 8. But ultimately, I think the Lakers coast and win that game pretty handily. And the Lakers don't have to spend a night in Miami,
0: which is already good in their favor. Uh, But Miami nightlife will have to meet L.A. nightlife, which from what I've heard isn't too comparable. Uh, But it's something they have to deal with, and even more so than the Lakers... The, the heat will have to, to battle off LA Nightlife. so I hope you pull your weight LA clubs and uh, bars if you're out there and you're listening to our podcast, let, let them have it. Um, uh,
1: BJ, BJ Meta if you're in Los Angeles, <laughs> uh, keep buying shots for opposing teams players. <laughs> make sure you go ahead, take care of that, take care of their bill you know be hospitable. Uh, I know it's a long flight from Australia, but if you're, if you're in the L.A. area for these games, uh, go ahead and be generous to these, to these teams coming to town. Grant, thanks for hanging out with me as
0: always. Uh, I have been Christian Rivas, and if you like our show... Go to iTunes, leave a review, say some kind things about us, or if you like the other shows on our uh, podcast network, we have a few great ones now, including uh, our new podcast, Show Tempo. Check that out. Um, If you like them, leave a review. Five stars is always great. Uh, Nothing less than four, hopefully, and uh, we will see you all next time. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation.